Hey everyone, this is Pastor Joe Source from the Brick Campus. And I just want to let you know, I'm very excited. Might not be the right word. I'm very honored to be able to bring you this message myself this morning by video. I pray that the delivery of this message being in the form of a video doesn't stumble you or doesn't create an obstacle to you receiving what I have to share with you today. I requested the opportunity to bring this message to you in person because I feel like it's so personally connected to a message that I preached, really the message that was preached at all of our campuses back in March. And that message was entitled The Secret Place. You see, back then when I first presented that series, I believe it was a two or three part series, I also had within my heart and knowing and an understanding that I need to follow up that teaching with a sequel. And that's what I want to present to you today. I thank God for our team there in Bayville. I thank God for Pastor Mike and Cindy Viola. I thank God for Martin uh, Fernandez and his wife Megan and for all the department heads there. We just, we are so grateful to the Lord for your participation in extending the vision of New Beginnings Church further than just brick. We also have such a heart for our people in the southern part of Ocean County, especially in the Bayville, Berkeley Township area, Forkwood River, and those areas surrounding our Bayville campus. As you know, we also have our campus up in Wall Township, up in Monmouth County, and we're just so grateful to the Lord. He's given us this opportunity to spread the word far beyond the four walls of just our central campus here in Brick. So back in March of this past year, we studied the topic of the secret place based on Psalm 91. I know Psalm 91 holds a special place in all of our hearts, especially over these past three years. Psalm 91 was the, was the Psalm of God, the Psalm of David that we stood on all throughout those crazy, chaotic days of the pandemic. Now, the purpose of this teaching back in March was to emphasize the importance of the benefits of living out of that place of intimacy with God. As you would remember, Psalm 91 starts out with, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will save the Lord. He is my refuge, my fortress, my God, and him will I trust. Now, I want us to all understand, as I do this little bit of a review before I step into the sequel part, that the secret place that's spoken of here in Psalm 91 is a place of intimacy. It's a place of power. It's a place of safety. It's a place where it is just you and God. I know sometimes we like to uh, call our network of friends whenever we're in crisis or whenever we have a need or uh, even whenever we want to share a victory that's happened in our lives. And many of us will get on our phones or we'll share something on Facebook as we want to include as many people as possible in either the challenge that we're facing or the victory that we're celebrating. But the fact of the matter is our relationship with our God is a very intimate relationship. You know, many times people say, well, what is it about being born again? What kind of religion is it? And we'll say, it's not a religion, it's a relationship. And that's very true. But in a relationship, there should be intimacy. And so this secret place that's presented to us in Psalm 91 is in fact 
basic foundational meaning of this whole thing is that we're in relationship with God, but we need to bring this relationship into a place of intimacy. In other words, there's going to be times in life, and I'm sure you've experienced it already. If you haven't, get ready. You're going to have plenty of opportunities to experience times when it's just you and God, times when there's really no one else available, or times when you know from the Holy Spirit within you that you're going through something that God doesn't want you sharing with anyone else. It's a time when God wants to draw you close to him. He wants to bring you in that embrace and let you know, hey, we're going through this together, just you and me. That is a place of power. That is in that place of intimacy is we really get to share his heart really get to know who he is. And it is a place of safety. It's a place where there's no crowds. It is a solitary place. It is a place where you're not allowed to bring in other groups of people because it's something that God wants to experience with you face to face. When we dwell in the secret place of the Most High, we abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I want to read that again. When we dwell in the secret place of the Most High, when we abide under, the, under his shadow, we begin to talk about him differently. When you come through a situation where you might, go, you might have been through hell and back, and, you, and God has met you in that dark place, and God has rescued you, and God has redeemed you, you know when you come up on the other side of that, you know something has changed. Something is different. Something's been imparted to you. That is a result of spending time in the secret place. Even the psalmist himself who wrote this says, I will say of my Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress, my God, in him will I trust. You know, it's only on the tail end of a challenge, on the tail end of an attack, on the tail end of adversity, that we come to that realization of, wow, God walked me through this thing. God took me by the hand. So now I will say of the Lord, he is my God. He is my refuge. He is my strength. He's my place of safety. When you spend time in the secret place, you talk about God differently. Now, what follows in Psalm 91, and if you weren't, if you weren't part of New Beginnings or you weren't there that, that time in March when we did this teaching, I challenge you to go back in the archives online on our website, go back and find that original teaching. It was just this year back in March and go review it for yourself. I can't take the time today to review the entire message. But after it's established in the first few verses of Psalm 91, what the secret place is all about, this is followed by six promises throughout the rest of that Psalm. The promise of safety, the promise of refuge, the promise of protection, Promise of angelic intervention. And finally, promises of deliverance and the promise of long life. Here is where the real power and true life is found in that secret place. Here is where the real power and true Zoe, God kind of life is found. Outside of that secret place, I want you to hear this. I want you to get this. Outside of the secret place, that place where we're there face to face with the most high, there is nothing but dead religion and powerless existence. I want to say it again. Outside of our experience in the secret place, there is nothing but dead religion and powerless existence. And unfortunately, there are many Christians that are walking around today with a form of godliness, might even, might even know how to recite a few scriptures, but there's no power. 
There's no passion. There's no devotion. There's no reality. It's just following a bunch of do, do's and don'ts, following patterns, following formulas. The life that we have in God, the relationship that Jesus died on the cross for us to have is to be a relationship, an intimate, one-on-one. We know his voice. He knows our voice. Other than that, all we have is dead religion. Now listen, you and I cannot afford to let anything else occupy this dwelling place. I'm going to say it again. You and I, unless we want to just barely exist on this planet, you and I cannot afford to let anything else occupy this dwelling place, of the, the secret place of the Most High. It's a special place in our heart, and it's a special place in our mind. Back in March, I used an illustration. It was very familiar to me and very familiar to my family. See, many years ago, my wife and I and our family lived in Seaside Park. And if you travel south through Seaside Park, you're eventually going to come to Island Beach State Park. Now, that place holds a special place in my heart. Because when our children were very young, elementary school age children, I would take my sons and we would go there most of the time off season. And this one particular time I remember we took bed sheets and my wife wasn't too happy about it, but we took bed sheets and we went down amongst the dunes there in Island Beach State Park and we, and we erected these tents and it was myself and my sons all around me. We took our peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and we were there, wind howling outside, but we're in that tent and together with my kids and, and we're just sharing things and sharing stories and sharing dreams and what do you want to be when you grow up and what do you want to be when you grow up and talking about different things of the day and different expectations that we could have for their lives. And it was such an intimate thing, such a, a very personal thing. Now, had somebody come and poked their head in that tent, they would not be welcome. Say, well, that sounds kind of harsh. No, this is a time. There's an assignment attached to that place. There was an assignment attached to that experience. This is an intimate time for me to spend time with my sons, for my sons to spend time with their father. Had anyone else come in? Even if it was, even if it was my, own, my, my own wife. No, no, no. This is between me and my sons. This is between my sons and myself. It was a secret dwelling place. To this day, I hold a special place in my heart for Island Beach State Park because of those things. That's how you and I need to see. That's how you and I need to treat this secret place that we have with God Almighty, our Father. We're to hold it sacred. It's a place to be protected Anything that would interrupt our time with God must be banned, must be put out, must be ignored and not allowed to be part of it. Bottom line is this, and here's what I want to share with you now in this sequel to The Secret Place. Bottom line is this, and I want you to hear me and hear me very closely. The secret place is either God's or yours. I'm going to repeat that statement. The secret place can either be yours or it's going to be God's. Now listen, it's very natural for us to entertain places in our own mind that preoccupy us. It's very natural for us to imagine things, places, and people. I remember in high school, now I don't know if this happens anymore today because very few people write cursive anymore. But I remember in high school days, I would look over and see a young lady just drawing 
on a piece of paper, and you could tell this is a cursive, very fancy language. And what was she drawing? In her mind, she was imagining herself maybe with the teacher or maybe with another student and imagining, and you would see that person write, Mr. and Mrs., and then fill in the name of that person. What was that young lady doing? She was imagining her latest crush, what it would be like to have that ring on her finger, what it would be like to set up household with that person, what it would be like to be Mrs. So-and-so. And I would sit there and watch them, and every one of them always had that same look on their face, like I'm in la-la land right now. I'm imagining what it would be like to be Mr. and Mrs. I'm sure my wife probably did the same thing. What is it going to be like to be Mr. and Mrs. Joseph Source? Imagination. It's not a bad thing. The fact is that God created us with the same creative ability that he possesses, and that's the ability to imagine. Imagination could be defined as the ability of the mind to be creative or resourceful, to create images that do not yet exist in the natural realm. To imagine something is to put yourself on the scene of something that does not yet exist or has not yet taken place. But in our hearts and our souls and our minds, we're as good as there. And that's a good thing. However, We understand that we cannot deny that if we're not careful, there's more of a chance of our spending time in our own secret place rather than spending time in the secret place of the Most High God. Some of us unconsciously develop these secret places, a place hidden away from all others. You might want to call it a fantasy world a place that we foolishly think is hidden away even from God. And that's when it becomes dangerous. It is a secret place that we develop apart from God and many times not accountable to God. While in the secret place of the Most High, there's protection, there's safety, there's comfort, there's blessing. We recited all those promises earlier on in this, in this message. While in that place of the secret place of the Most High, there's blessing. However, in the hidden secret place of our own making, there's almost always sin, ungodliness, and dangerous fantasy. One Bible teacher put it this way, having an imagination is not sin. Really, if you think about it, I'm going to stop, put this quote on hold for a minute. If you think about it, you and I can't operate in faith without having an imagination. Because faith requires us, according to Mark chapter 11, 23, 24, faith requires us to see the thing, to possess the thing before it actually exists in the natural. To have faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, and I ought to add, yet. So without having the ability to imagine, you and I could not operate in faith. When we operate in faith, we're seeing the thing we're praying for either come into manifestation here on the inside or we're stepping into something here on the inside way before it happens in the natural. So let me continue with this quote. Having an imagination is not sin. Imagining or fantasizing about things that are pleasing to God is a wonderful way to connect with the one who created us. Now, when I was in Bible school, there would be times I'd be sitting in class, teacher would be teaching, 
And although I was there and I might have been taking notes, but I was in another place. I was seeing this church in existence. Of course, it didn't exist at that time physically yet. But I could see myself teaching. I could see myself preaching. I could see myself praying for the sick. I could see people that God showed me would be involved in this ministry. Yet, I couldn't touch them. They existed here. It was in my imagination. Now, I thank God that he caused it all to come to pass. So, so this quote goes on to say, however, as with all activities in life, it is important to ensure our fantasies have a good and righteous intention behind them. Now again, all the benefits of Psalm 91 belong to those who dwell under the shadow of the Almighty. The shadow of the Almighty, that place, that secret place, is a place of purity. It's a place of holiness. And our own secret place, that place of worldly, sinful imagination, there is no safety or stability. It only produces more sinful secrets and more sin. And you and I need to be very much aware of that. Where our mind drifts, where our focus attaches to. It can be a place of jealousy, a place of hidden hatred against someone. It might be a place where you imagine having all of the homes and furniture and cars and clothing and jewelry. In that case, we need to stop watching TV shopping and need to stop watching HDTV. Some of us are spending time fantasizing about these homes that we only see on television and causes us to live in frustration and disappointment. Why can't I have what that person on TV has? You might not have a $2 million budget. And those are realities that we have to face sometimes. Dream about it. Imagine those things. Believe God for the things that you desire and the things that you need. But don't live in frustration in your own secret place in your heart. Live in peace and contentment knowing that your Father in heaven knows exactly what you need. It may be a secret relationship. And we're going to get a little bit more serious here now. It may be a soul connection that you're holding on to for years. Yet, that relationship that you secretly live in is far outside of the will of God for your life, and you know that deep down inside. One of the most ungodly and demonically inspired secret places is that place of the lifestyle of pornography. And yes, we need to talk about it. It needs to be talked about in church. For pornography addiction, sexual addiction, is epidemic in the church world. And it's not just men who experience it. And it always starts with casual curiosity. Statistics tell us that the average age of first exposure in children to pornography is 11 years old. The fact is this, the great majority of men involved in rape and sexual assault started with a pornography addiction. And when the lifestyle of engaging in pornography becomes a habit, at some point, just watching is not enough. Now, it has to escalate to some form of physical involvement and acting out. That's when this ungodly secret place begins to produce monsters. 
Yet, as always, there is hope in the word of God. Psalm 19, verse 12 states, how can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? Cleanse me from these hidden faults. Keep your servant from deliberate sins. Don't let them take control of me. Then I will be free of guilt and innocent of great sin. Man, even though they didn't have computers and internet and internet porn and all these things accessible back then, that sin, that desire was still lurking in the hearts of men. And it's as if the writer of the psalm knows that cycle of guilt and condemnation that a person puts themselves in. When they throw, them, throw themselves into a binge of pornography and all that goes with it and all the physical conduct that goes with it and then coming up on the other side of that seemingly innocent pleasure, all of a sudden is thrown into this cycle of guilt and condemnation. Look what you did. First the enemy lures us into it and then when you fall for it, he tells you, look at you. Look at you, you're a Christian. Look what you're doing. Look what you've engaged yourself in. The writer goes on to say, then I will be free guilt of and innocent of great sin. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, what's he saying? May the words of my mouth and the imagination of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. This is serious. Now let's go back and look at the secret place those secret places that were ordained of God. And let's make some kind of comparison here. Genesis chapter one, God creates a garden and places a man in it and brings Eve to join the man in fellowship with God. It's a place of intimacy. It's a place that's initiated by God. It's a place of innocence until the intruder comes in. And those thoughts that lure us into sin is an intruder coming into that secret place between you and your God and luring you out and drawing your heart to experience something that's going to lead in death. Say, well, it's going to send me to hell. It doesn't have to send you to hell. It'll put you in hell here on earth. Cycles of guilt and condemnation. Cycles of betrayal. I hear stories constantly of a wife walking into a husband and watching them, see them, catching them, watching pornography of children walking in on their parents, seeing the parent just in this hypnotic state, watching pornography, the damage that it does to that young person. Ask yourself that question, is it worth it? So here, God creates this secret place between him and Adam, and then Eve joins that secret place. Nothing else was supposed to come into that secret place. It's just supposed to be that cord of three strands, God, Adam, Eve. And the intruder came in. And what did the enemy accomplish? You notice this? The enemy never insisted on Adam and Eve worshiping him. Satan didn't come and say to Adam and Eve, now you got to worship me. No, he got them to create their own secret place apart from God. I want you to understand the seriousness of this. The enemy got them to create their own secret place apart from God, a place where they now set themselves up to experience fear, intimidation, self-consciousness. How do we know that? 
because they entertained thoughts that were contrary to God. You notice they never came to God and said, hey, this serpent is speaking to us. Hey, the serpent is, is trying to plant seeds in our heart. No, they kept it secret from God until it was exposed. Until they ate the fruit. Sometimes our secret place is our own self-importance and self-centeredness. And Noah's Ark was also a type of secret place, a place of safety, a place of refuge and protection. The secret place of God lifts you up above the storm. When you're in that secret place, no matter what comes against you, you'll have victory there. It was a type of launching pad into the new beginning God had for the earth and for the population of the earth. Yet, almost all the entire population of the earth rejected that secret place of the ark. They thought he was crazy. What do you mean God's going to give you a place of refuge? What do you mean floods are going to come? What do you mean danger is going to come? They rejected it. And only those eight people that entered into the secret place of refuge were saved when devastation came upon the earth. I want to draw your attention to the temple in Jerusalem. It was a type of secret place where men and women could draw close to the Holy of Holies where the presence of God was. You remember... When studying the time of Jesus' birth, there were only two people who understood the significance of that secret place. One's name was Simeon. The other one was Anna. They understood the benefits of this place of intimacy with God. It was in that temple. The Bible tells us that Anna was in the temple day and night, constantly fasting and praying. What was she doing? Abiding under the shadow of the Almighty. And then that secret place was revealed to her and to Simeon that the Messiah had been born and they would see him. Now we understand the reason that throughout history, why Jerusalem was attacked and conquered over 30 times in recorded history. And time and time again, from the time of the first temple of Solomon, the first place most attackers went when they conquered that city was right directly to the temple to stop worship. The enemy of your soul, the enemy of my soul does not want us living in the secret place and do, do anything to pollute that secret place. It will do anything to destroy that secret place. It's all the more reason why you and I need to hold on to it. In the wilderness, Satan tried to do to the second Adam what he did to the first Adam. What did he do to the first Adam? He lured him into developing his own secret place, a place of secrets, a place of darkness and shadows a place where you put yourself first. Matthew chapter four, verse one, that says that then Jesus was led by the spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. During that time, the devil came and said to him, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. See, Satan tried to get Jesus to create his own secret place a place where you get your own needs met. You meet them yourself. Turn these stones into bread. You can do it. A place where Jesus would focus on his own needs, on himself, where he would become self-serving, obsessed with self-preservation. And Jesus, who lived in the secret place of the Most High, answered each time with the word, it is written. You and I need to, if Jesus had to protect his secret place, then you and I need to protect our secret place. 
when the thoughts come, when the enemy comes, when the pictures flash across the screen. We need to take immediate action. Because once those photographs get into our minds, it's very hard to erase them. I pray that you'll begin this day to start protecting your secret place, start protecting your heart. The scriptures tell us that we're to guard our hearts above all things. Diligently guard them because our life originates out of that place of our soul, that place of imagination. Paul caught on to this and wrote to the church at Corinth. It's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments. He's telling us what a stronghold is. It's an argument. An argument is made up of what? It's made up of thoughts. And every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Why? Because secret places can become strongholds. We start out with a few thoughts. We start out with a few pictures. We start out with some hidden feelings against someone. And if we're not careful, and if we don't banish them from our secret place and get back to where it's just us and God, then those secret thoughts be, become multiplied and they fester and they grow. And the next thing you know, there's a mental stronghold of bondage in that area. Every ungodly secret place becomes a stronghold, a fortress to keep you captive within the walls of worldly, ungodly, degenerate thought patterns. The enemy desires that we, through the power of sight and imagination, would formulate a thought life apart from God. That's why you see people acting one way outside of church and another way in church. That's why you see people, Christians, going to heaven, even full of the Holy Ghost. But you catch them sometimes and there's something wrong. You know there's something wrong. You can see it in a person's countenance. What's happening? They've been spending time in their own secret place. Not the secret place of the most high. It's the secret place of the most evil. And you and I need to stay out of that and do everything we possibly can. These secret places, thought lives, belief system apart from God can prove deadly because no man can serve two masters. He or she will either cling to one at the expense of the other. And you and I cannot afford to cling to the secret places of darkness within our own hearts and our souls, our minds. We cannot afford to cling to those. We need to cast that aside just as it tells us in Hebrews, to cast aside every weight and the sin that so easily besets us. And we're to run this race with endurance. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, this is what Paul wrote. It tells us to think about the things that are true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable and praiseworthy. Let me ask you this question. Do your fantasies align with that biblical standard? Because most people's secret place of darkness are anything but right and pure and lovely and admirable and praiseworthy. And yet, God provides us with an answer, as he always does. Hebrews chapter 4, starting in verse 13. Man, when I saw this in connection with what we're talking about here, 
there's ungodly secret places that develop in our hearts. Man, verse 13 is so appropriate. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. And verse 10, verse, as much as, as ominous as verse 13 sounds, listen to verse 14. As grace comes flowing towards us. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. In other words, we have one that knows what it's like to live in this natural life. But we have one who has been tempted in every way. Yet, he did without sin. We have one who's been tempted in every way that you and I possibly could be tempted just as we are. Yet, he did not sin. Verse 16, thank God for this good news. Let us then approach God's throne of grace and confidence, with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. In other words, let's come boldly before the throne, yet with all the darkness, with all the ungodly secret place, with all the impure thoughts, with all the ungodly fantasies, even with the secret hatred we might have for someone or the jealousy we might have towards someone, even with all of our disappointments and sadness, let's come boldly before the throne to do what? That we might receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Why? Because that ungodly secret place is going to try to come back and be established again. We're going to need grace for the future. Now, I'm sure you've come to the realization by this point that this is a problem that affects every one of us. None of us escape this issue. Yet God is merciful and will help us to tear down those ungodly places that are in our thought life and in our hearts. So as we wrap this up, let's apply two very practical measures, one in the natural, one in the spiritual. If this has been a problem for you, that I would say the natural the natural tools that are available to us is limit your exposure to worldly thinking. Limit your exposure to TV shows, the internet. Have someone hold you accountable. Install security devices online. Never place your computer in a private place. Parents, your kids are going to be mad at me for saying this, but parents, don't let your kids take their phone to bed. They've got things figured out with those devices that you and I have no idea about. On the spiritual side, one of the greatest ways for us to refocus our attention on the path God has for our lives is to confess the word of God over our lives. And in this case, I believe that the most appropriate portion of scripture is found in Psalm 51. So, at this time, my brothers and sisters there in Bayville, at this point in time, Pastor Mike Viola is going to come forward and he's going to ask you to stand and he's going to lead you in reciting Psalm 51, David's psalm of repentance and David's cry for help. I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that this message has touched your heart I pray even more importantly that this message has provoked you 
to take action in the right direction. And if you've found yourself stuck in those dark, evil, secret places in the heart, I pray that as you confess and as you pray Psalm 51 over your life, that the chains are going to burst off of your mind. That you're going to receive a sense of freedom and impartation of grace that can only come from the presence of God. I love you. God bless you. I hope to see you in person very soon. Be blessed by the truth of Psalm 51. In Jesus' name, amen.